0: Coming up on the KetoCamp Podcast, we welcome back for the fourth time, the greatest health educator in the world, Dr. Dan Pompa.
1: But
2: if you're changing diet often, then you're creating new stressors. In your microbiome and it becomes a a positive so that's one of the things that we understand about diet change right diet change creates a stress that your microbiome and your gut has to adapt to thereby increasing diversity thereby increasing your immune system the worst thing we can do is do the same exercise every day you actually studies show you actually get diminishing results and i'll say it this way the worst thing we can do is stay on the same diet all the time You start to get diminishing results, regardless of the diet that you're on. Plant-based, keto, whatever it is, we don't want to stay in these zones too much. Keto flexing is the way to go.
0: We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey Keto Camper! Today's episode is one of the best ones that we've done so far with my coach, my mentor, the greatest in the world, the Michael Jordan of health coaching and health teaching and health educating, Dr. Dan Pampa. Many of you know his work. You've heard him on previous episodes before. Man, is brilliant. I brought him back to discuss the topic of hormesis and why we both believe everything you're doing, keto, fasting, carnivore, supplementation, just everything that in regards to upgrading your health should be viewed from this lens of hormesis. And we're going to get into what exactly hormesis is, how to determine your hormetic zone, the unfamiliar zone, which is hormesis versus the familiar zone, which is your comfort zone, and how the magic happens outside of the comfort zone. He's going to get into some of his research, give you some amazing, brilliant examples like exercise is one of the best ways to understand the principle of hormesis. He also shares about thermal shock, heat, and also cold exposure, how to do it the right way and how that's a form of hormesis, gravity, how COVID could be a form of hormesis, and repetitive stress. Look, stress in itself, it's not good or bad. It's how it's applied. And the body is incredible the body has this innate intelligence and the number one priority for the innate intelligence the human body is survival so when you apply a stress the right way the way that we're going to teach it here your body needs to adapt and good cells get stronger bad cells don't adapt we'll get into the conversation of fasting and hormesis and how to do fasting the right way we both love fasting but fasting can be a tool that helps you or hurts you, depending on what happens in this hermetic curve. You'll get to understand what I'm talking about during the episode. We'll get into different types of fasting, like block fasting, where should you start fasting for fertility. Pretty cool because I live streamed this interview with Dr. Pompa to the members of my Keto Camp Academy. One of the amazing uh, uh, perks, if you will. There's a lot of benefits to being a member of the Keto Camp Academy, but one of them is you get access to a lot of my podcast interviews as they take place. And this is one of the episodes that we live stream to the group in my academy. And uh, the members had the opportunity to ask him his questions, ask Dr. Pompa the questions, and you get to hear some of those qu- questions that they asked. We get into fasting for fertility and why you want to vary your diet, maybe based off of the season. He calls it diet variation. I call it keto flexing. You're going to love this episode with Dr. Daniel Pompa. Before I bring him on, I do want to take this opportunity to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from KED1988 titled, Expert Advice, Not Personal Opinion. Ben's personal story and journey is inspiring. He brings on other experts, and he uses the latest evidence-based information to expand his knowledge base and to support his listeners on their own personal journeys. He does his research before he interviews, and his questions show that he has insight into what his listeners need to hear. I always look forward to each week to his newest podcast. Thank you, Ben, for guiding me with evidence-based information, not just opinion, like so many influencers out there, Ked, thank you so much. I'm great grateful you press play every week. I do take pride with researching way ahead of time. I record the episodes with my guests. I want to know everything about them, and I want to ask them questions in a way that helps the listener like you. So I'm grateful you appreciate that, and you see that, and you decided to take some time to leave that rating and review. It really does help the show grow. So thank you. If you have not left the Keto Camp podcast a rating or a review yet, please do so right now. It really helps the show grow and change more lives. Did you know there's actually beverages that can supercharge your fasting results? My favorite? which is a keto powerhouse, is apple cider vinegar. There's a ton of research showing apple cider vinegar has been beneficial for boosting your metabolism, suppressing appetite, reducing fat storage. That's because apple cider vinegar contains acetic acid, which is a short chain fatty acid that's been shown to promote weight loss in those ways. Also, apple cider vinegar is one of the best ways to balance your blood sugars. A study showed apple cider vinegar improved insulin sensitivity after high carb meals up to 34%. We also know that apple cider vinegar stimulates digestion, acts as a bile stimulant to help break down the fat you're eating on keto. Another research study showed apple cider vinegar protects against mineral depletion. If you're like me, you probably don't like the taste of apple cider vinegar. I think it tastes disgusting. That's why my go-to is Paleo Valley's Apple Cider Vinegar Complex. This is an organic blend of apple cider vinegar and four more gut and health supportive superfoods. I take this before my meals, I take it before coffee, and this enhances my fast and my blood sugar regulation. You'll find it contains organic apple cider vinegar, organic turmeric, organic ginger, organic Ceylon cinnamon, and organic lemon. Since you are a listener of the Keto Camp podcast, we worked out an exclusive discount code for you to get the Apple Cider Vinegar Complex capsules and all of the products over at Paleo Valley. All you need to do is head to PaleoValley.com and use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. By the way, they got delicious beef sticks and an awesome organ meat complex. Go check them out, PaleoValley.com. That is KetoCamp15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below in the show notes. Okay, let's bring on the best educator in the health space, Dr. Daniel Pompa. Dr. Daniel Pompa completed his undergraduate education at the University of Pittsburgh and earned his doctor of chiropractic degree at Life University's College of Chiropractic in Marietta, Georgia, where he graduated second in his class of 150. He and his wife Maryly, are now raising five young children and actively participating in their home church. Dr. Pompa is recognized as a global leader in true cellular detox, cellular health, and cellular inflammation. Here's Dr. Daniel Pompa.
2: Hey man. <laughs> Glad to be here.
0: Thank you for joining us from the hotel in California, making it happen, whatever it takes. I appreciate you. We're going to be so blessed today to talk about hormesis, which I, of course, knew of the term for many, many years, but you really shed a lot of light on how to view everything we're doing, keto, fasting, or supplements through the lens of hormesis. I know some of those listening or watching right now probably never even heard that term unless they heard it from me. So Dr. Pompa, what exactly is hormesis? And then we'll talk about how to apply keto and fasting from this lens
2: yeah when you tell people we're talking about hormesis it sounds like the most boring conversation on the planet i assure you it's not when you learn this principle it will change the way you think forever about everything about stress uh because ultimately that's what it is it's how do we apply stressors and actually change the functionality of our bodies right? How do we apply stressors and actually change our health? How do we apply stressors and become better, not weaker? And acknowledgement here, uh, part of this principle of hormesis means that too much stress can be bad, as we know. However, not enough stress is also bad. And there's something called the hormetic zone, when you just nail it and you can drive Uh, healing in the body. Uh, You can become stronger, better, faster. Uh, Your brain works better. I mean, all these positive things come out of hormesis. And, And like I said, I mean, the reason why this is an exciting topic, because it really will change the way you think about everything, even supplementation. I mean, it goes down to that. Yes, of course, diet. Yes, how long we fast, when we fast, keto, how long we're in keto. All of these things are really better understood once we understand this principle.
0: So you have some presentation slides that we're going to share. And for those listening on the podcast, he's going to explain it in a way so you don't necessarily have to watch the slides. But if you do want to watch them, it's going to be on the YouTube channel.
1: Yeah,
2: great. All right. Uh, you know, the, the real answer lies in the principle for hormesis. So what is it? And I, and I just kind of said this already, but this gives a nice visual here if you see it so you have that green zone that's that hormetic zone that i was referencing meaning that all good things happen there um our results really are determined by how high we get that hormetic curve to go and we have strategies to do that right we stack stressors we get our bodies to adapt better and it creates a hormone optimization so all of these things that we do Can make that curve go higher and therefore our results better uh, to the point where we live longer, healthier, or even reverse disease. Now, if you notice the red zone to the right, that means that, uh oh, we've applied too much stress and thereby now we're losing, we're getting adverse reactions. So the mastery here is really applying stress correctly. Uh, Okay, and, and the key word there is mastery because. What I find is that most people either don't apply enough stress or they absolutely are applying too much, and they're ignoring the the innate intelligence telling them, hey, you've gone too far, And, and thereby, because that is ultimately how we know, is we have to start to learn to listen to that innate intelligence in our body. But anyways, if you just look at the definition, hormesis refers to adaptive responses of biological systems. That's us to moderate environmental or self-imposed challenges through which systems improve its functionality and or tolerance to more severe challenges. So, I mean, a few key words there, you know, improve its functionality and tolerance, right? So we're looking to apply stress to improve functionality. Simple as that. When we look at this, you know, how the hormetics increases something called homeodynamics, aging, senescence, death, are all final manifestations of the failure of this homeodynamics, meaning when you don't adapt, you start aging prematurely, you start bringing on death much faster in the form of what is called senescent cells. These are cells that live too long. So the the bottom line is, is if we nail this principle, we live longer, healthier. All right. So Ben, I'll, I'll let you chime in on this, but I think the best example to jump into for people to totally understand this is exercise. So if you look at the the, uh, the PowerPoint here, you see that dotted line. Okay, so if you start from the line here right in the beginning, I don't know, can you see my cursor? Maybe not.
0: Yes, yeah, we see it moving.
2: All right, so if you see this right here, and as you go across the dotted line, too low of stress or no stress, think of the couch potato, leads to disease. We actually need stress to actually become better. So here we are as we rise up in this exercise curve and we get all these major things that happen when you exercise, you get a decrease in something called reactive oxygen species, an increase in good antioxidants, a decrease in oxidative damage, cellular repair goes through the roof, all this amazing stuff, until we start exercising too much and now we gain inflammation, insulin resistance, mitochondrial dysfunction, so the point is, is that we understand it from exercise. Now, let, let me bring it even more into focus. So we start an exercise program, right? And we've all done this, and we're getting great results. We're in this hormetic zone. The reason is, is because we haven't exercised. So exercise is a stress, and our body's adapting. Now, one of a few things can happen. Now, let's say you go into the gym, and you're still doing the exact same exercise day in, day out, because it worked in the beginning, so you continue to do that. Now all of a sudden you find yourself actually not getting the results, stagnant, plateaued. Okay, that's because your body no longer perceives it as a stress to adapt to, so you're not getting the adaptive changes. Just understand this, the whole key here is your innate intelligence adapting to the stress And it does it by hormone optimization. It does it by a lot of pathways that get upregulated in the cell. And we turn down the bad stuff that happens in the cell. and We turn up all the good stuff. So you get to a point, maybe a month out, and you're not getting the results. So you're smart. You hire a trainer. That was smart. Immediately, he starts changing what you do. He starts bringing in new exercises. He starts making you do higher reps, different weights. See, because good trainers know that if you don't change the stress, then the stress becomes non-stressful. And what happens is you're not adapting, creating that amazing hormone optimization. So he changes up things, and all of a sudden you start increasing again. Okay, now maybe you didn't hire a trainer and you just decide to do more of what you were doing and more and you're doing more and more, and you're doing it every day now. Now maybe you're the exercise enthusiast, or I always say, look, I'm from the 80s, right? We had aerobics instructors doing 14 classes a week, and you would look at them and go, something's wrong. Like, she exercises more than any of us, and she doesn't look good, or she, whatever it could be. But the point is, is they went over that line. They're stressing, they're not recovering. So too much stress ends up being a bad thing as well. So I, I think exercise is a really good example. And, and I'll let you ask some questions on that before I go to the next uh, point.
0: Yeah, no, it's the perfect example. Everybody could understand that that principle and there's a balance here. And now the question that I'm sure somebody's thinking, Dr. Pompa, is how do I, how do I know my hormetic zone? Like what are some things I should pay attention to? So let's relate that to exercise. Somebody's, if they're really sore, from their workout to the point where they can't even work out the next day, that would probably show that they did too much of a stress, right?
2: Yeah, so if you start, you haven't exercised in a while, you go in the gym and you're like, you know, doing your workout where you left off two years ago and you, you know, you're so sore the next day, yeah, you went over the hormetic zone, out of the hormetic zone, stressed it too much and it became a negative, drove massive inflammation, a bad reaction. Right? So remember, you can exercise too little, or you can stress too little, or you can stress too much. You know, I deal with a lot of very, very sick people. Uh, when I was sick, I couldn't exercise at all, meaning that my body, my stress bucket was so full that if I took a walk down the street, I'd be left exhausted later that day and wouldn't sleep as well that night. That meant that my body was not tolerating that exercise. So I always say to people, because people want to exercise when they're sick and challenged. But remember, when you're sick and challenged, your, your body's ability to adapt to stress is very low. So how do I know, to your question? Well, you know by, how do you feel the, that later that day, the next day? If it's worse, I feel wiped out, tired, and you probably are doing too much. You need to back up. Listen to your body. It will give you signs, how you sleep, how you feel, energy, brain fog. I mean, all of those things could be that you're exercising too much, or you're, put it this way, or you're not adapting to the exercise, which could be, Ben, another health problem. Why aren't you adapting to normal amounts of exercise or stress, right? Now, we can flip this to the emotional side of things. Oh, my God, I, I have so much stress. I'm just, I'm so much... And then when you really look at somebody's stress, it's not the stress, it's the fact that they're failing to adapt, whether it be physical, chemical, or emotional. So the answer then is we have to get the body to adapt to higher levels of stress. Now we have multiple ways of doing that, we will kind of evolve into
0: that. Yeah, and you gave a great analogy at the Biohacking Conference of a cup that's full versus a cup that's half full. Could you explain that so they could make it make more sense?
2: Yeah. If my wife would fill up two glasses, I would have a really good uh, one half full and one all the way full. And if you would take the one that's half full and stress it, shake it, right? And you wouldn't spill. We wouldn't have symptoms, if you will. We wouldn't have consequences. We could shake it a lot and not spill it, right? So that's someone whose glass of stress is half full. Now we take the glass on the other hand, and fill it all the way right to the top. And if you just shake it just a little bit, and then all of a sudden it spills over and it's it's starting. My wife did bring me two bottles. They're not glasses, <laughs> but it, it just so happens that, look at this. Can you see me? Hello. Yeah,
0: we we'll see you. Can you
2: see me? All right, let's start with this. Why not? Okay, well, I have to just watch. Yeah. Now. Okay, this one is brand new. It's all the way to the top. This one is halfway down. Okay, so I don't know if you can see that, yep, but it's for proof. It is. Okay, great. All right, so here's the example. I I stress this, oh I'm gonna twice fill, but that's okay. So I stress this full bucket, and you can see water's just pouring down the sides and down my hand. Okay, and then I'm gonna stress this one. Look how much I'm stressing it, and there's nothing. Look at that, I'm stressing it a lot. Okay, we want our buckets to look like this, right?
0: So, that person who has their bucket half full, they could do more fasting, they could do more exercise, they could add more stressors and get a positive result. That's the point you're trying to make.
2: That's exactly right. So, this person here, we can add a lot more stress and we're going to get a positive reaction. This person here is, we're going to add just tiny bits of stress and we're going to get negative reactions, right? So, ultimately, we have to get our resilience. Right. We have to build up our resilience. Now, that means emptying the stress bucket. That's look, we're going to talk about this, evolve into it, but how do we do that? Right. We do it through things like fasting. We do it things like diet change. We do it by detoxing because physical chemicals can fill that bucket. Right. And when that bucket's full, so if you imagine this full bucket right here as a lot of chemicals and emotional stress, well, I can't maybe do anything about your emotional stress, but I can. Take out the chemicals out of the bucket, and now you're you're able to adapt to a higher level of stress. And again, whether it's physical, chemical, doesn't matter. The body doesn't know the difference between stress. Okay, so these are just other examples of physical hormonals that create stress, good or bad, right? Thermal shock. We're gonna. I'm going to show that in a second. Strength, stamina, exercise. We talked about that. Radiation or irradiation. Wow, you know. Could that be good? Maybe. Gravity. You don't think of gravity as a stress, but think about this, Ben. Um, When the people go up into space, do you know the biggest problem they face is that there's no stress? There's no gravity. So therefore, they develop disease. So they have to try to create stresses. And one of the devices that we use called pulsed electromagnetic fields was a device created to actually create a stress in astronauts. Because without the stress, their bones literally will get so brittle so quickly. So literally, the stress of gravity keeps stress on our bodies, muscles, bones, ligaments, tendons that actually keep them strong. And if you take that stress away, you literally will develop arthritis. They'll come back arthritic. Crazy, but we need the stress, right?
0: That's fascinating.
2: Yeah, isn't it? Too much gravity, too much stress, right? And we'll collapse perhaps our joints, right? COVID. Could possibly, and I don't want to get you shut down, so maybe we should just say that this virus could possibly this virus be a stress that could be good? Well, Ben, you know my Facebook that got me shut down. My goal was, hey, me and my family, we're gonna get this thing. I I look at this as the greatest health upgrade of the 21st century. It's a stress, it's the stress isn't going away. These viruses will be with us for forever. And so my goal was to allow the stress on my family and I adapt to that stress and become incredibly stronger for what's coming. And that's exactly what we do. That's exactly what we did. And it was a great thing. Now, again, please understand what I'm saying here. Just think of the example that I just gave. You know, my family and I, our buckets are here where we are able to take it it was no big deal for us, right? My wife, she, all she does is lose her sense of smell, right? I got a little sick for a couple of days. We were fine. But now there's people out there where their stress buckets look like this, right? And they're going to get hit harder by it. So you might want to empty your stress bucket, you know, before you, you think about exposing yourself. But the fact is, is that most people can handle it. And for most people, it's an incredible health upgrade. So, but anyway, so We look at that, and I said I wanted to get into thermal stress. You know who that guy is.
0: Mr. Wim Hof, everybody knows who that is.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's the ice man. Um, But I, I love making the point that you know thermal shock, if you will, can be an incredible therapy, or not. If we stayed in that ice bath as long as him, we would die of hyperthermia. Now, he has got his body to adapt to these incredible long times in cold and thereby even get a positive reaction. Um, I watch a lot of people who do a hot, cold ice bath and they get very negative reactions, even to the point of developing cancer because they're doing it all the time, every day, realizing they're not actually adapting to the cold. The idea of a stress is the adaptation that comes with it. Preconditioning or assisting that adaptation leads to better results. So when you put people in an ice bath for three minutes, that works great for me because I'm able to adapt or maybe for you. But for some, three minutes is too much and they actually have a negative reaction. Now, what is the positives that come out of this? The positive is your body raises up something called norepinephrine, which stimulates growth hormone, which regulates inflammation, yeah which has all these incredible positive outcomes on your health, even tapping in to the hard to get rid of fat, right? So you become metabolically even more active. So all kinds of stuff. And then heat. So here's thermal shock. Heat has been shown to mimic the effects of exercise in the body. It causes a lot of the same positives. Cold, we just talked about right? It can activate and lead to weight loss, less inflammation, improved immune function, less pain, stress, anxiety, all of it, right? So exercising in the cold, why would that be such a benefit? Well, it would be a benefit because it ups the stress. If you can adapt, if you can't, then it's a negative, right? And we just we just talked about whim, whim hop. But, you know, just uh, to understand this fully, it, it is all about how the body adapts. But this is probably something that many of you aren't thinking about. I talked a little bit about the body has amazing hormone optimization to adapt, and that's why we get better. But part of that hormone optimization is actually what it does to your microbiome. So this example here in Cell Magazine, a microbe called acromantia associated with obesity was the reason for the weight loss. When they exposed mice to cold temperatures. They started shedding weight that they weren't able to because of the shift in the microbiome. So you can see that cold heat does the same thing as exercise. It creates a stress that we adapt to and we get stronger, not weaker, if we don't overstress. Fasting also helps with that microbe as well, right? It does, exactly, because it's a stress that stresses the microbiome, just like the temperature. And then You know, we can look at this even further and and say, okay, what about radiation? Well, low doses of radiation can actually be really good and actually upregulate natural killer cells and have all these positive outcomes. However, what about too much radiation? What about Chernobyl, right? I mean, that seems like really bad. Experts predicted thousands of years of denuded life in the exclusion zone. The exclusion zone is like basically what it got where it got hit the hardest in Chernobyl. But that's not what you think. Well, new research says otherwise. And if you see it today, you would be amazed. There it is today. It's crazy. Now, you see back here, there's animals actually in the exclusion zone. And you see the plant life just thrive. So what happened. And, and by the way, I, I don't know, um, Ben, I think you saw it. I know you did. Um, that, that Chernobyl.
0: The HBO miniseries. Yeah, you had told me to watch it and we did. It was fascinating.
2: Yeah, it was after I watched it that I became fascinated when they predicted, you know, hundreds of thousands of years not being, no life at all in this zone. I'm like, really? Wow. Yeah, I was just fascinated. Then I found this and I was like, <laughs> not what you think. So, What had happened was is the uh, microorganisms actually adapted very quickly and because they do. See, microorganisms can change rapidly. That's why our gut bacteria are some of the the things that change first, and then, then it alters our hormones and ultimately us. So the change of microorganisms allowed the plant life to thrive. And then, of course, the animals started adapting. And then once the animals started adapting, you know, then life for humans we haven't adapted yet. Ben, I don't recommend you or I go in the exclusion zone. Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah, but um, the point is, is microorganisms adapt sooner than us, but we see life, and I, I, think that another great example of this, it's not what you think, is the Gulf oil spill, where we, oh, they said thousands of years of you know, altered life, and it sure looked like that was going to happen, but what happened was, is microorganisms adapted. They adapt very quickly. And they started eating the oil and thriving from it. And then the shrimp were thriving from the microorganisms. And then the bigger fish, the shrimp, and boom, 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 boom. And life today in the Gulf is better than it's ever been. So order of adaptation, bacteria, plants, animals, people.
0: Those are really powerful illustrations on hormesis and the ability to survive, which is the number one priority for humans and and all all these species here. I was also going to say that Ben Greenfield could probably go into that exclusion exclusion zone in Chernobyl and be and be fine. The man's a machine.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. His ability to adapt is uh, going to be better than most. Yeah. He may I, is he a, I don't know if he's a human, so look, will, what look what call on that?
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
2: that's, a, that's a compliment. Um,
0: it is, for sure. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out. Order a bottle or two and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is Pureform lifescience.com use the coupon code BEN4 to apply a $4 off coupon that is BEN B E N and the number 4 international shipping is available okay let's go back into this episode of the keto camp podcast so that's the order of adaptation bacteria plants animals and then eventually people so that's why humans can't go into that zone right now let's talk about fasting here
2: yeah yeah. So I guess when we start saying, okay, great, I understand it now. And I think most people listening or watching understand it now, but now let's apply it, right? Um, Fasting is one of the greatest stressors that we can apply to this principle. And when you understand the principle, you definitely will look at fasting differently. Ben, we have seen fasting. I was into fasting in the 90s. And when nobody really was talking about fasting, I became fascinated because of how it harnesses the body's innate intelligence to heal. And I, I've watched miracles happen with fasting.
0: Share, if, if you will, if you will, before you continue, share that that story. I think it was in 1995 of the patient with a, a cancer tumor the size of a grapefruit.
2: Yeah, yeah, this was when I, I was learning about fasting, right? And, and this woman basically had given up on Treatments that her doctors were doing. And she was asking me. And oh my gosh, you know, just probably having coming out of reading some amazing research on fasting and tumors, you know, I enthusiastically said, You just have to fast. And and by the way, I before her, I hadn't fasted anyone but myself and my family, right? So I was like, You have to fast. And she said, I okay. I was like, wow, okay, that was easy. And I told her here, read these things and fast, you know, and she did. And lo and behold, she went 26 and a half days. And I I always joke because she would first, she didn't see her in the office. And then when you did, she was miserable and had a horrible odor. And then by like day seven, she came bounding in the office. And then by 14, it was like, she was like just this transformed person. And she fasted that tumor down to like a golf ball. And then she did another fast after a couple months and, and she fasted it away. And that was one of my first experiences with fasting. You know, my wife also, she had a pap smear and my wife has a, a hormone history. We'll, we'll just say that from her lead. My wife was very lead toxic and her mother ended up, with breast cancer and dying of uterine cancer, and my wife was literally heading down that same direction. But she went in for a pap smear, and they said, "Oh, you know, you're like right, maybe stage like you know the first stage of cancer here. You know, they weren't sure, but absolutely bad cells look like potential cancer here." And they wanted to do a colposcopy where they remove the cells, do the da, do this test, this that. So. I just felt like, man, this isn't what we should be doing. And I said, well, I think we're just going to fast her first and just see, and then we'll come back in and retest. Well, the doctor didn't like that. And he said, oh, you'll be back all right, right, and things will be worse. And it was a grave prediction. Well, my wife fasted 11 days, and she ended up having, not by that doctor, another one, and it was absolutely healed, and she was fine. And she never had an abnormal test after that. So what he said was impossible. Uh, In fact, the body, everything's possible. But fasting is not thought of as a stress. With fasting in vogue now, we see people, a lot of people fasting too much, right? Where they're doing one meal a day and they're doing that every day. Or they're doing what we call intermittent fasting daily where they're eating in a window and, and perhaps fasting too much. So number one, You can't do what Joe or Mary does. You have to do what you do, meaning that you don't fast everybody the same. I think you get it now because everyone's stress bucket is different. Fasting is a stress when applied correctly. Incredible healing and benefits. If applied incorrectly, then you can absolutely send your stress bucket over. So we want to apply fasting differently for everyone.
0: And it all really relates to those pathways mTOR autophagy, mTOR anabolic and growth, which is very healing in spurts, autophagy, catabolic and repair. Too much on either side is bad, and that relates to that hormetic curve. To give a perfect example of what we're talking about here and finding the balance, there was also another study on Oscar, the unkillable dog. Do you remember the details on that one?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. That was, uh, I was in a mastermind with, um, Joe Mercola, Zach Bush, and um, Thomas Seyfried. as uh, and that was he. I was talking about how we pulse and change diet, and use feast famine cycling. You know, moving in and out of feast states and fast states, and and he said, "Oh, Dan, you you have to read this about Oscar the dog. This study from the early 1900s. Make a long story short, this was early 1900s. So they were literally fasting dogs." to see where they die, basically. How long will they go before they enter starvation and then you know after that die? Well, Oscar the dog was very clever and he kept escaping the study. So maybe he fasted 20 days and then he would escape out of his cage and he'd find food and eat, so he broke the fast. So they would put him in with the next group and Oscar got out again, put him in with the next group. So. Oscar had fasted several times to the point, finally, when they kept Oscar in his cage, they couldn't kill Oscar. I think Oscar, what was it? It was over 100 days, wasn't it, Ben?
0: Yeah, I think it was 130, 130 so days, yeah.
2: Yeah, and and they couldn't kill Oscar, so the question was why? Well, Oscar basically built up his fasting muscles. His cellular mechanisms got so adapted to the stress And he did it in sequence without trying, right, to the point where, like Wim Hof, he could stay in the ice bath, he could stay in the fast a long time. And Oscar was getting stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where they, here's the good news, right? They let poor Oscar go. They let him go off and eat and they let him live. They didn't fast him to death. So um, good old Oscar won that one out.
1: That's
0: the perfect example of balancing mTOR and autophagy. Now, you call it diet variation. I call it keto flexing. It's the same principle, and I've learned a lot about this principle from you. So it's important to balance it out.
2: Absolutely, and I I do have some PowerPoints on diet variation because we can use diet change to create a stress. Every time you change your diet, you create a stress, a hormetic stress, forces your body to adapt and one of the things that happens, just like the cold, it changes the microbiome. We get all these amazing hormone changes in our body just by changing our diet. But fasting is a stress that applies to hormesis, right? Uh, Improvements in weight and other risk-related outcomes from cardiovascular disease, diabetes, all of it. And they realize that it is this hormetic effect that we get from fasting. And to our point, Fasting is a stress. Too much fasting, you decrease immunity. You end up increasing a nasty antioxidant called which we've talked about, four n or HNE, four hydroxy and that can lead to cancer, right? But if the right amount of fasting, it's the opposite. You live longer. You prevent cancer. You know. So again, just showing you the magic of the balance, right? Fasting increases diversity of the gut microbiome. Why? It's a stress in this. They said that the diversity of the microbiome increased as a result of fasting in the colons of those animals. Now, you have to understand, diversity in the microbiome equals brain health. It equals hormone health. It equals immunity, good immunity. So if we can increase our diversity, we're increasing our health. And fasting, I believe, is the greatest stress that we can utilize and diet change, which we could talk about. But I believe that these are the stressors that we need to actually help our gut heal. So, and uh, this is um, just another example from another study that fasting increases these bacteria that we need that have important roles for better or for worse. And um, anyways, extended fasting, like I was talking about earlier, most fasts, by the way, that we do are typically five days, but sometimes longer fasts can be, in fact, beneficial. But anyways, this is just another um, example that it affects the positive um, of the body. But I want to I wanna fast forward to your point here. And I don't know if, how much more uh, you want to talk about fasting because there's different types of fast. but I'll let you leave it or I could go into diet variation.
0: Yeah, well there's a question here from Liliana about this topic before we move on to diet variation. So Liliana says, "Why is it good to exercise while fasting if fasting is already a huge stressor and adding more stress like exercise would that be a bad idea?" So what would you say to that?
2: Well, again, what's stressful for one is not stressful for another, meaning meaning that yes, sometimes adding additional stressors, exercising in the cold is a benefit, right, for people, but For some people, it might be too much. Again, it really comes back to...
0: So if your bucket's down here, you could do it. But if your bucket's up here, don't do it.
2: Matter of fact, not only can you do it, I recommend you do it. Because just remember my example in the beginning. If your exercise becomes something that you're not forcing your body to adapt to, you don't get the benefit. You don't get the hormetic benefit, right? So we do need to up the stressor. So I I guess it's, it's the point that we're making, right? So periodic fasting, is a stress. But now if we shift the conversation to diet, right, if you're on the same diet all the time, then you're basically not creating a stress to your body or your microbiome. But if you're changing diet often, then you're creating new stressors in your microbiome and it becomes a a positive. So that's one of the things that we understand about diet change. By diet change creates a stress that your microbiome and your gut has to adapt to, thereby increasing diversity, thereby increasing your immune system. The worst thing we can do is do the same exercise every day. You actually studies show you actually get diminishing results. And I'll say it this way. The worst thing we can do is stay on the same diet all the time. You start to get diminishing results regardless of the diet that you're on. Plant-based, keto, whatever it is, we don't want to stay in these zones too much, keto flexing is the way to go.
0: And what we want to do is we want to get you fat adapted, right? To help your cells choose fat instead of sugar, leave you in there eight to 12 weeks, get you keto adapted. And at that point, we start to mix things up, flexing out of ketosis and, and doing different approaches. And it's a really a new problem you had mentioned it before. Last, It's really the last 50 years that we have this problem where people are eating the same eight foods every single day. That's decreasing diversity in the gut. So if you want to stay in keto, something you can do is change the eight keto foods you're eating to eight different keto foods, right? Would that also help Dr. Pompa with this diversity? Of course
2: it will. Yes, because remember, keto can be very different, right? You could do plant-based keto, right? Which most people don't think of, but you can. You could do vegetarian keto, believe it or not, right? You could do Carnivore keto, if you will. <laughs> you could do, you know, there's many ways you can do high protein keto, right? Because all really, if we get our carbs low enough, then we start having to fat adapt and use ketones for energy and fat for energy. So the bottom line is there's many ways to get there by eating different foods. You're going to benefit from this principle.
0: Did you want to show anything else from your slides?
2: Yeah, I mean, we just, I, I, you know, there's different types of fasts. You know, I, I don't know how much you've talked to your group about extended fast. You know, we talk a lot about intermittent fasting where we go 15, 18, 20 hours without, uh, or 24 without food before our next meal. And that is fasting. But um, as I pointed out in those stories I told, there's benefits to longer fasts. And I call them block fasts. So, water only. If you look at the slide, and we've done it for thousands of years, and I think there's incredible benefits from water fasting only. Um, I think it's one of the purest forms of fasting, where it forces the highest levels of autophagy. Now, I don't typically start most people right into a water fast unless they're, you know, accustomed to it in some way or very, very fat adapted. So if we go into any fast, fat adapted, it definitely increases the results of the fast and how easy the fast is. So to your point, going keto in front of any fast is advisable, even intermittent fasting. And my book that you see there talks about that. Chapter one talks about fat adaptation. Chapter two, we start to basically chapter by chapter is how you end up doing an extended fast. You don't just run a marathon, you train for it. And step-by-step, chapter-by-chapter, I walk you through on how to train for an extended fast. I believe our DNA is set up for extended fast or famine. You see that, yes, water fasting is one fast that I absolutely love because it drives a lot of autophagy when you do it correctly, but partial fasting is incredible, and that is where you just decrease calories and protein down to the point where you still get autophagy. And for many people, it's easier and a better place to start. Bone broth fasting is a form of partial fasting where you're eating a little bit. I'm not a fan of juice fasting because of the glucose rises and insulin rises that shut down autophagy. But, you know, again, I, I think that there's potentially some benefit there, but there's potentially some harm for some people too. Uh, fasting mimicking diet is a partial fast that Walter Longo made popular. The pro loan it comes literally in boxes. Here's your food for this day, next day, next day. And it's a five-day fast, as we often do. So these are just the types of fasts that we're utilizing.
0: Carolyn wants you to talk real quick about fasting for postmenopausal women. What are some considerations for those who are in postmenopause?
2: Yeah, so you get a lot of like, well, women shouldn't fast or can't fast. Or, you know, I would argue that, again, Men, women were all very different, so we we can't make those large statements of women shouldn't fast in ancient cultures. Women absolutely fasted, however, they were definitely hormonally um, oftentimes more used to fasting, right? So their fasting muscles were stronger. So a postmenopausal woman absolutely can fast. However, it's just like we're saying it's a stress, and we want to listen to the body. So in my book, if you follow that sequence, then you have no problem fasting. But maybe you want to start on something like a bone broth fast or a partial fast or a prolonged fasting mimicking diet before you would do a water fast. Why? Because postmenopausal women may have more challenges fasting right away. Not all, but listen to your body.
0: What do you think about the idea of kind of calculating your hermetic zone during a water fast by checking your glucose and ketones throughout your fast and monitoring glucose dropping and ketones rising, which is the trend we want to see. But if we see ketones dropping and glucose rising, would that be an indicator that it's too much of a hermetic stressor to that person?
2: Yeah, exactly. And and I talk about that in my book. And um, you can look at what we want to see in a fasting state is glucose trending down and ketones trending up if you don't see that trend then to your point you may not be adapting to the stress of fasting and again so we can shorten the fast or maybe do a partial fast change the fast because with each fast your fasting muscles get stronger i call it mitochondrial fitness your mitochondria where you make energy burn fat for energy make ketones they become more fit as you fast fasting Is an art and a science, and the art of fasting is really knowing what your body's able to tolerate and work those fasting muscles up to the point. So utilizing glucose and ketones is a way to see, you know, am I adapting to the stress or not? And and by the way, uh, Ben, I haven't technically released the book to the general public, really just to my following, because I'm getting a new edit on it. But you can go to beyondfastingbook.com and actually get the book.
0: If you're anything like me, you probably spend some money each month on your supplements. But what if you're still tired and you just don't feel 100% well? Well, there could be a deficiency. What if there was a way to know if you were actually absorbing your supplementation or not absorbing and maybe you're taking too much of something? Well, what I'm bringing you today is a chance to accurately test all of that. In this case, I'm talking about Upgraded Formulas, Upgraded Hair Test Kit, and Consultation. And once you uncover these hidden deficiencies, you could get rid of these symptoms you might be experiencing that might be affecting your thyroid, adrenals, or much more. Upgraded Formulas is a very cool company. I interviewed Barton Scott who is the founder and chemical engineer who helps craft all their supplements, and they have this really cool upgraded mineral deficiency analysis. So say goodbye to blood and urine tests, which typically indicate short-term results. Hair is the best identifier, and you could get that hair from your head, armpit area, or even pubic area, and you'll receive a consultation with a member of Upgraded Formulas to help discuss your results. And it's very simple. Collect your hair sample, send it in, and get your results fast. We've worked out an exclusive deal, Keto Camp Podcast listeners, to receive 10% off your order. Head to UpgradedFormulas.com, use the coupon code BEN10 at checkout to get your hair mineral kit and any other supplements that you could find on their website. That is UpgradedFormulas.com, use the coupon code BEN10. I wanna transition to Dr. Pompa, which you're an an expert on, is detox. And we know that detox is in vogue and it's not as simple as coffee enemas, et cetera, colon cleanses. So what role does toxins, heavy metal toxicity, play in our stress bucket?
2: Uh, Yeah, look, toxin accumulation in every cell in the body causes us ultimately not to feel well, not to adapt to normal stress. Develops disease, right? All disease really starts at the cellular level, and I believe all healing starts and has to start at the cellular level. Real detox has to be at the cellular level. A lot of people, it's very in vogue, doing colon cleanses, saunas, and all these things that we know as detox, none of which are bad, but you really don't get well until you fix the cell and ultimately detox the cell and upregulate what the cell does and should be doing day in, day out. And that is detoxing itself. And so we need to upregulate those pathways. If you don't upregulate those pathways, you're really truly not detoxing. You're not going to have a lasting result and you're not going to get your life back. So, that my passion for many years is how I got my life back and thousands of others. And that's the real way of detoxing. It must be at the cellular level.
0: And you developed different protocols. Of course, you have more what's called outside the box detox that you teach to us in your platinum group. Dr. Mindy Pels is in there Mm -hmm. and a few others that we brought on. But then you also developed an inside the box detox called true cellular detox. And I've launched a few groups throughout the year. I take 15, 20 people and I'll take them through this 90 day protocol who is this for the TCD inside the box detox and what are some details on that?
2: Yeah, I mean that that was basically, you know, what I teach to doctors and, and people around the world made simple, right? You know, meaning that look, detox is going to be different for everybody. The doses, the cycle lengths, right? The the key that one person's body likes versus another. That is an art. I mean, there is, that's something I teach y'all and I'm constantly um, teaching. You know, how do we do this right? Because it looks different for Mary than Joe, right? So we need to understand that everybody is different, just like we talked about fasting. That hormetic uh, stress is going to be different and detox is a hormetic stress. So we want to teach people the art. Now, as people just enter in and say, okay, I want to do a cleanse, uh, you know, a three-month cleanse that's better than something they would buy at the health food store um, or Whole Foods. I put it into a box, so to speak, and that's what true cellular detox is. So, I mean, look, is it going to be the person with the autoimmune condition or the severe hormone challenge? No, they need what you know in a platinum program, meaning that uh, it would have to be customized. But is it a great detox far better than what you would buy at any health food store? Of course it is, because it brings it into the cellular level.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, personally, when I learned the detox, platinum level detox from you and started to apply it, that's where it took my health in this hormetic curve to a place it's never been before. Because you know my story, and everybody, mostly everybody listening, does as well. I was doing CrossFit, I was doing keto, I was doing fasting had eight fillings in my mouth, lived in a moldy home. And it wasn't until we started working together and I started learning from you that I discovered, oh, this is actually an upstream stressor, a hidden stressor. So got the fillings out the safe way, got out of the moldy home. And then I started doing the detox and I'm still doing the detox, but it took my health to a level and it still continues to do so that it's never been before, that diet and fasting and all the supplements in the world didn't do for me. So it wasn't until the detox and... um For those who are interested in learning more about the detox, I am going to launch a group and probably take 15 to 20 people in January through the TCD program. That's for somebody who is not severely autoimmune. And this is more for like the general public. And you can learn more about that. I haven't even announced it yet anywhere else until right now. You can learn more about that over at ketocampdetox.com. Dr. Pompa built out an entire portal. Min, Dr. Mindy's in there. I'm going to teach as well on coaching calls. So ketocampdetox.com. And if you're somebody who actually is severely autoimmune or have some really hidden stressors going on, your stress bucket is full, then you could email uh, support at ketocamp.com and we could talk more about the platinum one-on-one outside-of-the-box detox. Anything else you want to share on the detox before we transition, Dr. Pompa?
2: Uh, yeah, let me speak to some of those people that feel like they're stuck, right? If you pull this PowerPoint back up, you heard me talking yesterday a little bit about this. It just, happened to be in the, it just happened to be in this, the end of this slide. Cellular danger response. What this is, this is a new paradigm in understanding chronic disease or even unexplainable diseases, that your cells, and that's what your cells go through when they're stressed, either by a virus a pathogen of any type, really, a chemical, or any type of stress. That, if you look at where it says CD, cellular danger response one, two, and three around that cycle, that cycle is a normal cycle that your cells go through when it is exposed to a toxin or a virus. And then it comes out after stage three, right? And then what the reason it goes through this response is to save your life. It literally is a survival mechanism. The problem is, is when your bucket is full, oftentimes this stress response gets stuck along that wheel. Maybe it's getting stuck in CDR2, maybe it gets stuck in CDR1. Now, the interesting thing for, I think, your fans here is that many of the people watching, listening, if you see, if you look at next to that CDR1, I'll use my cursor, it says glycolysis. So this is the body's, the cell's ability basically to use glucose as energy. And when it, you're in this phase, people struggle to lose, use fat as energy. And they're just kind of in this glycolysis phase and they go, gosh, I can't get into keto. You could be in a stress cycle locked here. Now let's take it to the next step. It says aerobic glycolysis. There was a guy named Otto Warburg who basically in the early 1900s, said cancer is caused by being in this aerobic glycolysis, being stuck here. And your cells are basically in the presence of oxygen, you're still using sugar and creating lactic acid, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, is that when you're stuck here, your cells cannot use energy normally as well. Or you could get stuck in the CDR3 where now your body's not your cells aren't communicating with one another, and so that's a problem. And you manifest other diseases when that happens, even cancer. So the, the point is is when we talk about cellular detox, really, the only way to break out of this cellular danger response when your stress bucket's full, is to remove the toxins and the stressors from the cell. And you know, that's what we do with combinations of fasting strategies, feast, famine strategies, diet variation, keto flex, right? And as well as the cytodetox, we stack those stressors. And when you stack those stressors of fasting and detox, and we stack them correctly, now what we have is we are applying the hormetic principle to really become like Wim Hof, right? In our cells. And that's how you get well. Right? If we understand it, and then we're bringing this whole conversation full circle, if you truly understand hormesis, I believe it's the answer to all disease. Just tapping into innate intelligence. How do we do it? We stack stressors to become better at the cellular level. Turn off these stress responses, responses optimize our hormone levels. You're not going to do it without stress, believe it or not. But it has to be stacked, just like exercise, and it has to be done at the level that's right for you, and and Ben, um, that excites me, and I know it excites you more than anything, because how many people are actually teaching that? How many people actually get that? And I I speak that even for practitioners, right? They to stack up these stressors at the cellular level. This is how we can turn anybody around. I believe it.
0: It's it's really incredible to understand this premise of hormesis. And when you view everything you're doing from the supplements you're taking to the thoughts that you're thinking to the water you're drinking, you could actually apply this principle and and see if it's working for you or against you and kind of assess that hormetic zone. So I love it. And the CDR, the cell danger response, that's also something else that I recommend everybody go do some research. I took some notes from yesterday when you're on the coaching call with the platinums, number one, doesn't process energy well. You just showed that. Two, detox pathways shut down. Three, you're now more, at, more reactive to toxins, stress, and pathogens. So all roads lead to hormesis here. And we teach that, of course, in the academy, but on the podcast. Um, there's a few questions here, and then we'll wrap up the conversation. Nicole Fisher says, can you speak on fasting for fertility and helping PCOS and inflammation?
2: Yeah, look, I, again, I, I think fasting is the the greatest hormetic stress known to man. And, um, <laughs> you know, we, we've seen miracles hormonally happen with fasting. And, and again, it, but it has to be applied correctly, right? So when we look at hormone health, one of the things that um, I've taught is five days a month of feasting. And if you're a woman who is, you know, looking to be more fertile, then the five days right before your cycle would be critical. However, five days of famine is just as important, meaning a fast, uh, whether it be five days of water or five days partial. Feast famine monthly seems to change the body hormonally uh, throughout the month, thereby creating more fertility, thereby creating more hormone health, hormone optimization. So feast famine monthly, I think would be magic. And I think even the feast, when we feast, yes, it could be high carbohydrates, but for fertility, it also could be high protein, which drives up mTOR, which is an anabolic state, right? Remember famines or autophagy, getting rid of bad cells. Feasting is creating new healthy cells, right? We need that combination. Too much time in either is bad, but this monthly cycle I think is going to be the best for you.
0: And your book, uh, Beyond Fasting, talks about that, Nicole. So go get the book, and you could see more of a, a breakdown of that. I see Jody is on here. Who said she's reading your book, Jody? You want to come on here and ask Dr. Pampa a question? Hey, Jody.
1: Hi, Dr. Pampa. Happy to meet you. Yes. Um, I'm about a little more than halfway through your book. Could you expound a little on diet variation? I'm postmenopausal, I'm 69, so I'm concerned about getting enough protein, but then I don't want to get so much protein that I I drop autophagy. And then I don't think I vary my diet enough, so I'll be quiet now. And just if you could expound a little.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, chapter four really gets into the diet variation. And and as you know, it's it can be done seasonally. It can be done monthly, right? Meaning we just dramatically change our diets, right? Uh, you know, I go in and out of ketosis. Um, some people do four diet changes a year based on seasons. I tend just to move in and out out of boredom and travel. So, again, I typically will move into a higher healthy carbohydrate diet and ketosis. But I've also thrown in carnivore. Into the mix. You can throw in plant based diets for periods of time. All change is good. It's a hormetic stress that adds diversity in the microbiome, right? All right. Now, what I just described is feasting for five days, whether it be high protein or carbs, and fasting for five days. And those five days can be random anywhere in a month. That is also diet variation, feast famine. It's adding a stress. We get the benefits of autophagy when we're famine, right? And then we get the benefits of feasting and mTOR where our body's anabolic, making new cells. So I think you also, I I thought I heard you say something about you didn't want to shut down autophagy with too much protein, or what was your question there? I just wanna make sure I have it. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's it, and and that's a little hard to, um, you know, I, I know that at my age, I need more protein than I normally would have been eating. I didn't know that to yeah. start with. And, uh, but it's like above 20 grams a day shuts down autophagy, right? Say I've done a 36 hour fast and I'm wanting to maintain that, but does it matter? I, should I do a 36 hour fast weekly and have less protein you know, following it? Or should I not do a 36 hour fast weekly?
2: Yeah, so I I think that doing one 36-hour fast a week is a positive thing for most people, right? Now, if you're fasting 36 hours and you check your glucose and ketones and your glucose is rising in that 36 hours and your ketones are dropping, it's probably, hormetically, you're out of the zone. It's not good. Uh, We want to see glucose trending down, ketones trending up. So if that's happening, it's probably a positive. So what I say is a really good place to start is yes, fast for 24, 36 hours, right? So, a 36 hour fast is, you know, fasting where you don't eat the, uh, that day and then maybe you pick up with lunch the next day, right? That's basically gonna be a 36 hour fast. And you don't want to increase protein over 20 grams because it would shut off autophagy, right? So, in that 24 hour, 36 hour fast, yes, you don't want to eat protein above 20 grams you will shut down that fast for sure
1: and okay, i think i'm talking about a water-only fast yeah
2: but you want then when you come out of that 36-hour fast you want to break the fast you want to go mTOR so it doesn't matter if you go over 20 grams right the next day right the 36 oh, hour okay. fast yeah so you in the 36 hours you want to be in autophagy when you come out of the fast you want to go mTOR so you want to get oh, protein okay. above that right And then here's my other suggestion. If you're fasting one day a week like that, add at least one day of feasting where you feast with high protein. To your point, high protein at your age would probably be a good thing. So maybe you take one day, 24, 36 hours, where you get 150, 200 grams of protein in that day. Right? That's a heck of a protein feast that would do you good. Right? You don't want to do that every day. But now during the week, you're feasting and famine, right? You're feasting on the high protein one day and you're famine one day. So that's the magic, is doing both in a week.
1: Okay, thank you. I usually do like a 5-1-1, so I'll just go to, on my feast day, I'll start eating lots of protein.
2: Yeah, exactly, and again, the feast day could be carbohydrates, but to your point, you might benefit more from the protein. Either one, high carbohydrates, high calories, or high protein will stimulate mTOR, which is aka a feast, aka anabolic uh, pathway. All good for healing, you know. So perfect.
1: Okay, thank you. I'm enjoying your book, by the way.
2: Awesome, talk, great. Thank talk you. Talk to
1: y'all later.
0: Thank you, Jody. Great question. All right, you can learn more about Dr. Pompa over at drpompa.com. His website has a ton of amazing articles and resources. YouTube channel as well, Dr. Daniel Pompa. He posts his Cellular Healing TV video interviews on there every Friday. Also has a podcast release, Cellular Healing TV on podcast platforms. By the way, this is the fourth time, Dr. Pompa, you've been on the podcast, which is such a blessing. You were the first guest. I think you were guest number 200 and, and several in between. Now, Dr. John LaRonce has been on the show five times, so we're going to have to you know get you back soon to, <laughs> to beat him. Uh, <laughs> I'm grateful for you. Thank you for being such a blessing to us and the world and your commitment to change the world. The world needs this message. Hopefully those finishing up this interview have a better understanding on how to apply this very powerful principle called hormesis. So love you and I'm grateful for you. And thank you for your time today, Dr. Pompa.
2: Love you too, Ben. Thank you for having me always.
0: I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Pampa and you now really understand this principle of hormesis. I encourage you, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes we've done with Dr. Pampa, they were amazing. He was actually the first guest on the show and he's been back several times ever since. We'll drop links for all of the previous episodes in the notes down below, along with his social media, where you could find his book. And everything we spoke about could be found down below in the show notes. If you think this episode could benefit a friend, a family member, a coworker, copy and paste the link and text it to somebody. Let them hear this so they could understand hormesis too. And if you haven't done so already, please leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts today. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'll see you on the next one.